Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to an awesome evening of Star Talk Live. It is my great pleasure to bring out the host from the Planetarium, a fan of asteroids and dismisser of Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Tyson. And now. No, no, wait. It's. And now. I thought you might want to say hello. I guess not. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you know her from the television and bit parts in films. (laughs) Kristen Schaal. And he was once known as that guy from The Thing. But now he is just himself the right... Oh, this is a terrible intro. But it was fun to do. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing John Hodgman. There's one empty seat. There is. May I bring my guest out on stage? From outer space. Literally. No, he's from Long Island, but works in outer space. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, two-time shuttle astronaut and hometowner, Mike Massimino. Welcome. It's Brooklyn in the house. This is our second live taping of Star Talk Radio. And thank you, Eugene Merman, for the space, for your audience. Sure. We want to bring the universe down to Earth. And we've got an astronaut in the house. I said, where's your astronaut outfit? You can't wear that for us? It's hard to get around in, on Earth. It's all, only wear it in space. <laughs> thought maybe you have like a NASA hat or something. No, I, I do have my flight watch. That's been in space. That's been in space. It's been in space. My okay. wedding ring's been in space. Wedding Okay, your wife is actually in the she's audience. There somewhere, out there, she's out there somewhere. Okay. Yeah, so no flirting, Mike. <laughs> no flirting with me. And you were about to show me something yeah, on your I back. Do, yeah. I well, do have a, an aviation-related uh, shirt. Okay, so... Oh, I thought you were going to have like a shuttle, like yeah. weird, slutty no. tattoo on your butt. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I think you're going to have like Saturn, uh, and it's like, ah, I'm sexy right. Saturn. Yeah. On Mike Massimino's back... But don't stick your butt out. Just stand up. I'm not. This is the way it is. I love the smell of jet fuel in the morning. All right. So this is Star Talk Radio. You can find us on the web at StarTalkRadio.net. Start with the Hubble Space Telescope. I'd love me some Hubble because Hubble 
actually was a man before it was a telescope. Right. Just so you know. He now, discovered... He was, he was transformed into a telescope. His spirit energy became the telescope. They used well, his living brain Well, he like to... a nosy guy. <laughs> That's a, not a, why a we no, named a it after him. A notorious peeping Tom. Yes, the peeping... Yes, he, who he, wanted to see people doing it in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> so he discovered that the Milky Way is not the only galaxy in the universe, that we are just one island universe among many swimming in the cosmos. One. Two, he discovered that the universe was expanding. When this telescope was designed, conceived, and built, we knew that it would give us the data to tell us exactly at what rate the universe would be expanding, and that was the very first scientific experiment that it conducted. But there was a problem. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The telescope got launched, and it had a bad mirror. In fact, it was a good mirror, it was just the wrong mirror. It had a perfect shape, it was just the wrong shape. That's like the mirror in my bedroom. Oh, is that right? Wrong, what is it? Just <laughs> Like a funhouse mirror? <laughs> so, when you set up a $2 billion telescope and it has the wrong mirror, every sentence in the paper that talked about Hubble mentioned its price. All right, when stuff goes bad at NASA, they remind you how much it cost. The $2 billion Hubble telescope. And at that point, we said, we got to put in some corrective optics but we need the right stuff. In comes Mike Massimino. All right. <laughs> so you strap like a two-way police mirror onto your back and you just put up there with some duct tape. Yeah, it's like a space I... optometrist. Okay, you gotta fix duct tape, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. But let me just remind you just of some of the things Hubble discovered. So it confirmed what we'd known all along, that there's supermassive black holes lurking in the centers of galaxies. It could find this out because it could measure the speed of stars deep within, near the centers of the galaxies. And they were going really fast, and you look at something that's tugging on them, and you don't see anything. And you infer how much mass must be there in that small volume, you get a black hole. We have a black hole in our center. 600,000 or so times the mass of our sun. Other galaxies have, like, bigger black holes. Some have a million times the mass of our sun. Others have, like, a billion. And so I wanted a bigger black hole. I mean, I had, like, You have black hole envy. Black hole envy is what, really, I've always had for our galaxy. How powerful is the one here? Well, no, I forgot the exact number. It's several hundred... power. It's about several hundred. You don't want to go near it no matter what. But the Hubble confirmed that. And also, it looked deep inside of gas clouds and confirmed that these are the locations where stars are being born, where they live out their lives, and they scatter the gas into the rest of the galaxy, revealing their families of planets. So these are stellar Are you nurseries. flirting with the universe? <laughs> Plus, Hubble nearby discovered extra moons orbiting Pluto. We thought Pluto had one moon. It's got two or three other moons going around it. And then that resurrected the Pluto people. Right. He put the end to Pluto, basically, right? I didn't do it. I just, I had the hammer and the nails for the coffin. But how did the moons affect our appreciation or depreciation of Pluto? Not in the slightest. Oh, okay. Very well. (laughs) People want to invoke the moon clause for resurrecting Pluto's planet status? Right. Problem is, there are asteroids, very rocky looking, that they themselves have moons. So Pluto's moon is not the moons? prerequisite. Venus, the size of Earth, our twin planet, itself has no moon. 
You can't invoke moon status for a planet. I don't know, not convinced. <laughs> so, Mike, they strap you onto the space shuttle. Okay? You On the outside? <laughs> Sorry, they strap you in to the space shuttle. Thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks, yeah, thanks for keeping them on. Jeez, <laughs> cold. I right. was going to go along with it. It sounded okay to me. All right, so you go up there. Space Telecom needs help. Right. Were you on the first servicing mission? No, no. The first servicing mission was back in 1993. So and you were just a, you were just a babe. Right I was then. just a babe. Other guys went up there and did that. Okay, and so gals. Okay, so I'm sorry. What was the problem with the mirror? It had a beautifully. It didn't reflect anything. <laughs> It was, it, it was actually a piece of black velvet. It was, it was the wrong shape. Like, what, what, you, like it was the, a rhombus? What, 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 was the, what was the shape? <laughs> what was it like a spoon? Was it like the spoon so everything was coming in upside down? Or? Well, it's, it, it's I, remember, I remember when that thing went up there and everyone on the news saying, those idiots did it again. They threw some junk up there that can't reflect the thing. No, no it was... But it, what was the problem exactly? What was the wrong shape? The, exactly? There's a shape for the optics of the telescope. To work. To work, and you then to, they, you seem to be they, dodging my question. They had a perfect shape, but it was the wrong shape. What and made it? You're using the word wrong. mistake. Wrong. Perkin wrong. Elmer, Perkin Elmer, messed up. It was a problem thank with you, the grinding Mike. of right? it. First of all, let me just say when they, when they thank made you it, for answering my it was question. A, like an aberration. They call it. It was a, a slight aberration. It was slightly off. So the curvature of the mirror itself was wrong. Just by a little bit. But that's enough, yeah. right? It was enough to screw up the optics of it so that the visual spectrum, what you would see, what you were hoping to see, was clouded. Did yeah, that scraper guy get fired? I don't know. It's a government operation. It's very hard to fire people. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. But they had you fix it. You went up and repaired it. No, no, so no. They so, flew, wait, so they flew a $10 billion toilet up there to polish a mirror. Wait, wait. So, no, here's the thing. In all defense of Hubble, just to put this in context, Hubble was ready to fly in the mid-1980s, okay? Sure. But then we had the Challenger disaster. So that put a delay. By the time it did fly, it had computer chips from three generations earlier. So not only did it have a bad mirror, it had a computers from an, a generation you didn't even want. It was like, it was like an Atari. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was still Pong, and we already had Nintendo. Right, exactly. I get it. Exactly. I get it, Neil. Okay, so... So no, so no one ever thought in 1988, should we check the mirrors? So, so in the first servicing mission, they not only put in corrective optics, they swapped out the computer chips and put in, back then... A they put po- it in in television. <laughs> Let's boost this up and By they, bit. we mean Mike. Let's make it a safe. No. no, no, so Mike... I know, I know this, is do it. I this is 93. This is 93. Right, so now Mike right. came in later. He was eight the years old. Hubble was designed to be serviced sure. by the shuttle. Sure. Because when new technologies, new... Detector, something goes wrong, you send up the right stuff. So, one of these five servicing missions was his first. And tell me what you had to do. Well, my first one, we replaced the solar rays, we replaced a uh, power control unit, we put a new instrument in there that... You mean uh, a PCU? You sound like a guy ripping, like a car salesman ripping people. Really? (laughs) Yeah, we had to fix the the uh, space belts, and and there was a weird thing with the ship. We checked the oil. Yeah, something like that. I really advise it. still around 800 billion... He needed oh, new but brake this, pads. But this, but this true coat, this true coat's going to protect it very That's well. Right. <laughs> and we added rust proofing. We got Congress to sign off on the rust. What year? All right. What year did you go up? May I ask? Uh, Your first in, year. My it was uh, first, 2002. 
years earlier when they you fixed mean this the, thing wasn't fixed yet? No, it was fixed. They fixed it in 93. And one thing about this mirror, Neil, is that even though they had this little problem with it, so it was kind of screwed up when right. they got the images back, right. oh, man, this is terrible. They were able to measure how bad it was. Now, even if it would never actually been perfect, no matter how hard you try, sure. it wouldn't have been exactly perfect. But sure. now they knew how bad it was, so when they made the correction, the correction was pretty close to perfect. So if you want to be an optimist about it, because they were able to get this opportunity to fix it, they were able to make it better than it really mm-hmm. ever could have been. Okay. And what they did is that an instrument, what they did, they took one of the instruments out, about the size of a refrigerator. Have I lost you yet? Or what's That's the, not an instrument. Oh, you're just thinking. So, yeah, so we pull this thing. We pull the, refri- Wait, about the, the size of a refrigerator. I'm not, I'm not selling the refrigerator. There are, there are a lot of things the size of a refrigerator. Was this the PCU? Was this the power? No, that's something else. Okay. You like that acronym, though, don't I you? I do. I do. Yeah, what no. was this? We, this was, the instrument they pulled out was, I can't remember the name of it. It was a refrigerator. It was a refrigerator. Was, oh, you know what it was? It was the TCB. It was good yeah, enough. But then when they put in was something called CoStar. Which had corrective optics. OnStar? Just a second. Okay. Co-star. And what it did, it put a bunch of lenses in the light path and corrected. Just like those glasses you're wearing now, corrects yes. the light that goes inside the, you know, your eyes to your brain right what now. Did, what are you, a that's witch? That's right. So those, that corrects the light coming into your head. Oh. And that's what we did with CoStar, corrected the light going into so the So they telescope. sent up a refrigerator called CoStar that shot a bunch of contact lenses in front of this thing? Yes. Perfect. Yes. All right. <laughs> that's all I want to know. <laughs> We got to bring this segment to a close. You are listening to Star Talk Radio live at the Bell House in Brooklyn. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back to StarTalk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're continuing the broadcast of our second live show 
recorded at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, on December 18th, 2011. Joining me that night were my co-host, the comedian Eugene Merman, the comedians Kristen Schaal and John Hodgman, and Mike Massimino, a NASA astronaut who flew on two space shuttle missions to repair the Hubble Space Telescope. 2002, a young man named Mike Astronaut. Did, did you walk to the spaceship in slow motion before you got on it? Yes, because it was very scary. Yeah. I didn't want to get it. You came out of the hangar, like the right stuff? That's it. Um, that was, you, try to, yeah, you try to look cool. They're going to take your picture, but you're actually shaking in your boots. But you, you want to so try which, to look cool. So which shuttle were you in? The first one I flew on was Columbia before okay. the That's accident. That's the one we lost. We lost that, that one. That was the, oh the next time it flew, we lost it, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my okay. goodness. So we, the, the mission after us, it didn't come back, unfortunately. The second mission I had was on Space Shuttle Atlantis. So let's talk about the first one, okay. if, if you don't mind. I just want to know... Your mission, what was your role on the shuttle? I was a spacewalker. Star captain? Star captain. Yes, I was a star captain. Why didn't you... you I like been... star captain better. I wish I would have heard what spa- Why don't they call you Skywalker? I was a star captain. Why don't they call you Skywalker? They that... could. They could call you. Yeah. You, were a spa- you were a spacewalker that was on your business card that year? No, it wasn't. You have all these great ideas now. Where were you years ago? <laughs> this is a good idea. I never... I never you, but your so role fun. in the mission was to walk in space? That's right, yes. And otherwise you just sat back and read a book? Like, I can't help you with any of this stuff. More... <laughs> Let me well, know when it's time Mike, to walk Mike. in space. Everyone well, well, has well, their well. job. You don't want to intrude on... Okay. You're an astronaut. Why do they call it walking in sp- You're floating. Why don't they call yeah. it space floating? Because that really sounds what it is. I think it doesn't sound as cool as... What do you think sounds cooler? Space, space walking, walking or space floating? Space floating sounds a uh, lack of control. Right. Yeah. So yeah, space you, walk. you really don't <laughs> walk. It's not dignified. <laughs> the guys on the moon got to walk. Yeah, yeah. They did the moonwalk. Really right, right. But you're absolutely, we don't really walk. The moonwalk. You you're, like, you're treading right. space. No, you, no, you move around with your hand when right. you're floating. You're not, you could try. That won't work so well. You've got to grab stuff. Right. You use your hands yourself. more than your right. feet. Right. Yeah, gravity's not space working. Space grabbing. So. Space grabbing. See, but again, that doesn't sound as good as space walking. Co- cosmo grabber. Cosmo so, so you What was the first thing you said? You said star captain. You should have stopped star there. Star captain. Because the rest of this stuff, now, now it's not working. Uh, 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 All right. So you train... I understand. You train in a huge swimming pool in Houston. Yes. Because that's your kind of buoyant, neutrally buoyant, right, as they right. say. Right, right. And it, it, you learn how to, you know, to, to kind of move around. You're, not, you're floating, but not really. You're neutrally buoyant. I've been, so I've been in a swimming pool. You got before. the idea? Like. Okay. Okay. All right. So you know what that's like. Yeah. Big, I don't want to brag, but I've gone yeah. snorkeling before. Right, yeah. All right. All right. But we're in a big spacesuit. You've never been in a swimming pool in a spacesuit, probably, have you? I don't want to brag, but I've gone snorkeling in a spacesuit. Have you really? Okay, right. So, so kind of like what he did. That's what we do. That's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> but at the point... All right. So wait, 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 point, just to the... understand, it's not just to hang out in a swimming pool. There's a mock-up of the shuttle and the Hubble telescope submerged in this pool. Yeah, but he knows that. He did that, too. That's why he went snorkeling in his... No, I didn't know, but I didn't know that there was a phony shuttle down there. So if they have a, have a, a phony a shuttle mock-up. and a phony, t- uh, that's got to be a yeah. big pool. It's big. It's big. It's two hundred feet long. Wait, it's the yeah. largest pool in the world. Pool in the world. Two hundred feet long, one hundred feet wide, and forty feet deep. So what's big. the name of the shuttle that's uh, on the floor of the pool? <laughs> the Nautilus. Is it? We don't, no, we, don't. Oh. we don't have a name. We're looking for one though. You come up with so many good I names. Can't what come would up you with call it? That's a good name Nautilus. for the shuttle. That's fantastic. Sally. <laughs> Space shuttle Sally. But, you're, but see, here's, here's the thing that... that Davy Jones. I gotta, that th- here's work. the thing I have to speak yeah, yeah. to, and then yeah. I'll let other, other humans speak. 
you're trying to spin this like I went swimming in a giant space pool with the Nautilus. Did I ever say that? No, sorry. You guys are spinning like they have a huge swimming pool as though that's exciting. You went into space. Yes. That's more exciting and terrifying to me. So as well, someone I was who, getting there. I was just trying to find out fine. how he figured out what to do in space. No, I understand. Okay. Go ahead. All right, so now, yeah. so now you're in space. Right. And there's your task at hand, but meanwhile, Earth is floating by. Yeah. That was not happening in the swimming pool. No. Right. Okay. Right. So there's Earth. How do you concentrate on fixing the Hubble when Earth is going by? When at 17,200 miles an hour sideways, you get how many sunrises in a day? 16. So six... Yay! Six... <laughs> Sunrise, sunset, light, dark, That's very romantic. heat, cold, and you have to be the repairman. How does that work? You really have to try to focus and not, not look around like, oh, geez, look, there goes Madagascar, and there goes the telescope, you know, there goes your tool. You're not allowed so, to look? No, you are, but you have to pick your moment. So my first spacewalk, I didn't look around very much. But my second spacewalk, I did. And looking at the planet is what you really remember. But you have to also get your job done. So you, know, you have to pick your moments. or what? It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That's yeah. the stupidest question I have yeah. ever heard in my life. <laughs> wow. How is he going to answer that? Oh, it was ugly. My gosh. Earth from... He might have said it's the second most beautiful thing. Maybe as children, he'd be like, it's the fourth most yeah, beautiful thing. <laughs> what, Mike, I happen to know that Hubble is higher than the space station. That's right. It's like so 300, how many am I? It's 350 up. It's 100 miles higher than where the space station flies. So space station, they got nothing. No, it's here. like an airplane. <laughs> you know, they're, not really, they're down here low, they can hit clouds, and no, they can't really, they're above the ever. But no, we, but what we can see at the Hubble altitude is you can see the curvature of the Earth. You can see it in its entirety. It takes up your whole field of view. You're not that far away from it, but you can still see the curvature of it. It looks like a gigantic planet, and that's pretty overwhelming. That's a good thing. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That it's round and, it's and it looks planet. like a planet. Right. It sounds to me like you were and skeptical f- until that moment. Apparently, I You know what? <laughs> I guess they were right. <laughs> I was. That whole flat versus round thing, you know, I was a little skeptical, but it is round. It is a planet. So right. just to summarize, from space, Earth looks like a planet. It does. <laughs> And it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, my, my, my but do buddy. Do they factor in? Yeah. Because I would imagine your mission is timed down to the minute. Yeah. Do they factor in gawking time? Like, we know this guy's going to goof off for probably about they 10 add, minutes. They do add about 20%. Do they? Of a, yeah, you're going to be a little slower. You're going to be looking around. Yeah. But when I did, after my first spacewalk, my buddy, the pilot on the flight, his name is Digger. We were classmates together. We trained together. As astronauts, but he was a pilot, so he wasn't going to get the spacewalk. And he asked me, when you come in, I want you to tell me exactly what it's like. You know? So he came right in the airlock, he took my helmet off, and he looked at me and goes, what was it like out there? And I go, Digger, you never imagine, the Earth is a planet. That's what I said to him. But what I really meant, everyone knows it's round, but what I found that day was that my relationship with the Earth had changed. Because normally what I had done, just like we did today, we drove here to Brooklyn or took the subway or walked, whatever you did to come here, it's kind of like a two-dimensional relationship with the earth. You know, go to a ball there. game, watch TV, whatever, you know. And then when I got to space and I looked and I could see the earth like that and I could turn my head and sometimes if you're lucky, you'd see the moon, you'd see the stars, you'd see all this other chaos, the sun, 
You can feel the heat as you talked about, the heat, the cold, all these changes. You realize the earth, we're not in this safe little haven that we think we're in. We're really out there in the middle of, of all this chaos. And so for me, that was proof that, wow, we really are out in the middle of space traveling around with all this other stuff. And earth really is a planet. And so they pumped THC into the atmosphere. (laughs) I was waiting for you going, that proved to me that the one true God is Allah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. What what is he talking about? Uh, Tetrahydrocannabis. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Are you allowed to have wine in space? Are you allowed to drink in no, space? No, it's, uh, it's We're a gonna dry talk about You can tell us. You can yeah. tell us if what you smell. No, I, I, I felt bad because I made a joke about your beautiful statement. I think that's incredible. So. Yeah, thanks, uh, Mike. Yeah. yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike. Uh, it must be astonishing to feel that you are a part of a very small community of people who have seen the Hubble telescope in person, who have seen the planet from that distance. I mean, I went to Yale. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. And you so, snorkel. So I know what it's like. And I was a member of the Yale spacesuit snorkeling team. So I know what it's like to belong to a, an elite community. <laughs> but that must be very strange to know that there are only a very few people alive who have ever seen what you have seen. Well, we feel very fortunate. Sure. And we really, and because there are a lot of people that are, it would be very happy to go and qualified to go, but we're the ones Me that included. won the lottery. You guys included. Yeah, it's but not we like won the you guys worked that hard for it either. No, we got lucky. <laughs> Do you ever argue with someone and just like when you're frustrated, just go like, I've been to space. <laughs> Doesn't work. It would on me. <laughs> if I ever disagree with you, feel free to yell, I've been to space. And, and I'll be like, you win. It, it won't work. And you'll just say, and I've been snorkeling or whatever you come up with. It won't work. Wait, so Mike, so apparently you're not allowed to bring alcohol legally into space, but no. I have it on good authority right. that you smuggled your mom's biscotti. Now my, I got it from uh, Michael's Bakery right here in Brooklyn. Michael's Restaurant and Bakery. So you took biscotti, biscotti right. up into orbit. I did. And did you bring it back or did you eat it? We ate most of it and we brought some of it back. And then what did you do with the... Is it in a, a display at, at the deli now it's, or what? Actually, I'm going to hopefully see Michael from Michael's Bakery while we're here in town. I'm going to give him a piece from SCS 125. Well, that's been in space. Yeah, that's been in space. Space biscotti. Right. Sure. Everyone applaud until two weeks from now when that guy becomes an alien. (laughs) (laughs) When Star Talk Radio comes back, we'll have more of our live show at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, with the comedians Eugene Merman, Kristen Shaw, John Hodgman, and NASA astronaut Mike Massimino. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio Live at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. I'm here with my co-hosts, Eugene Merman. Eugene, thanks for again being on Star Talk sure, Radio. You're very Can you introduce welcome. your Yes, your guest? and we're here with Kristen Shaw. And the delightfully mustachioed John Hodgman. Hello. John, that's a, that's a real mustache? It is. I yes. can't just rip it off your nose. Well, you could probably find a way to do it. <laughs> Since you look like a bouncer from the movie Roadhouse tonight, you could oh, probably... I'm just trying to... You could probably tear off my mustache if you wished to. No, I, I won't. Oh, but, yes. And my guest, Mike Massimino, two-time shuttle astronaut. So, Mike, your spacesuit. If you've got to go to potty... 
you, you, like have, do you have diapers? What do you diaper, have? yeah. Diapers. Yeah. Diaper, we wear diapers You're when cool we with wash. that. I was just waiting for them to say something. No, I I'm, waiting. I I I'm waiting for you to I'm clarify waiting. whether it's a diaper or it's like part of the suit. Because right now I'm like, really? It's not like a suit. No, we don't pee suit. our pants. You no. wear, we wear diapers. You don't yeah. get a catheter? No. But that's the least they can really? do. Really? Yeah, yeah no. you know, seven, if you go up and one person attached, you're like, no, that, that's horrible. Right, cause, you know what? Because well, you're walking out of, the, out of the hanger in slow-mo, you say, wait, let me change my diaper. It's not, yeah, it's, it doesn't right, go wait, with here, the... Here. Oh, wait, let you me have ask like you. a table and then you cry and then you ask for <laughs> You change each other's diapers? <laughs> that sounds fun. That sounds like a weird, naughty space party. Let's... <laughs> this went like from like we fix telescopes to like, and we do some shit. <laughs> Systematically. You get a call from front of the shuttle saying, okay, it's time for you to go walk in space. I, I think they both. Is that the way it works? Like. Time to walk in space. I thought you were going to say, time to wet your diaper. That's what I thought you were going to say. So you have to change from your, uh, your jumpsuit or whatever, your speed suit, into a, That's just good. Yeah, into a space suit. Is someone recording this? This is pretty good. <laughs> layer by layer, what, yeah. go, like, what do you put on first? You put on your diaper. <laughs> and then, like, a, what, a cotton t shirt? What else do you put on? <laughs> Like, what's on underneath that thing? I, I'd rather you describe it. I think it'll be no, more No, I'm actually curious. You think no. I'm making fun, but I want to know. No, no. Uh, diaper well, first. The diaper goes first. That would make sense. I presume, yeah. I think I presume you... If the diaper never... went last, it would be a little silly. The diaper goes first. But adorable. And, <laughs> and then do you wear... It wouldn't be as effective. You wear some sort of jumpsuit or something underneath or well, an when undergarment? We go, when kind? we go spacewalk, yeah, you're yeah, asking. Yeah. We put the diaper and then we put a pair of polypropylene underwear, you know, like you wear maybe when you're yeah, hiking and hiking stuff. Or, sure, okay. Uh, both Bike the shorts. undergarment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, gotcha. yeah, very, yeah. You know, very thin, but it, that's going to absorb the sweat from your, from sure. your body. Keep you warm. Keep and it was warm. the early 2000s, so you could still get away with that. Okay. Yeah. And then... Uh, you also put on some biomed detectors, which is you know, to know what your heart rate is doing. Okay. So we have holes it's very specifically cut inside of that. And are you propylene. doing this yourself in a changing room, or is this like uh, Tony yeah, Stark and Iron dresser? Man? Like they, you got people walking <laughs> all around you, getting all this stuff ready. I wish. Or I not was... walking, obviously, but floating all around you. For the diaper, you pretty much can do that. You're on and your own. And do you call it a diaper, or is, is there a euphemism? We ha- it's is called, there a technical? Uh, no, there actually is. It's you know, it's the mag, a maximum absorbency garment. <laughs> See? Okay, that's a good question. Those who thought just about was... everything wait, wait, we have wait. has a special name. We're getting so somewhere now. Yeah. Let's quantify that. Yeah. So if the diaper weighs a half a pound, how much uh, blue liquid can it hold? Yes. It can hold a lot. A lot of liquid. That's very technical for you. I don't know. We're definitely making much... it sound like he's going to spacewalk to go to the bathroom, <laughs> which is well, not the, the case. But before you put the diaper on, the first thing you do when you wake up on the day you're going to space... And you know, you don't get an announcement. You know this is coming. It's planned out what day you're going to go uh, space. Yeah, on. Mike, uh, what are you doing back there? Can we... Uh, <laughs> we're going to pull over and out happen. there. Like when you're out there, like when you did the, like these trips. Like four hours, right? The spacewalks themselves, that the ones I were on were a bit longer because we were kind of slow, apparently, about eight hours or so. Do you get snacks in your soup? Then? No, we get a drink bag. We have to be able to drink water. So you're on a water. juice diet while you're on a space Not even just water. We like a master like cleanse. Kids. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been doing the math. Yeah, I mean, so it was early. I, I've yeah. just been doing the math. So the yeah. eight, eight hours, so that's six sunrises? Here's the funny thing, Neil. No one yeah, knows. Five, five, it's five, impossible five, to figure it out. <laughs> no, you can figure it out. <laughs> math! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no. So there are okay, no calculations so, that can do it. You know when you're going. So morning of the spacewalk, you right. first use the, you use the, the facilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eat a good breakfast because you're not going to be able to eat anything when you get out in your spacesuit. We have a good breakfast up there. Freeze-dried ice cream, right? No, that's a... And Tang. try that stuff? Sure. Yeah, you know why? Because we won't eat it. That stuff's terrible. <laughs> that's why it's all for sale down that's here. That's why we sell well, it. I, that stuff's terrible. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but mostly it's dim sum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it is. We're an international so program now. Yeah, exactly. So it's and we have food from all over the world. Mostly like uh, the juicy bun with the soup, and you're like, oh. That's right. Got to get the vinegar on it. Chopsticks, it gets a little what's messy. A, what's a breakfast for a spacewalk, though? Seriously. For uh, a spacewalk, I like eating peanut butter. Sure. Peanut butter on a tortilla. We don't have regular bread. Because oh, it makes why? crumbs. You know, crumbs aren't such a oh, good that, thing. That'll oh. punch through your chest. <laughs> It'll, close. You can inhale them. Oh, really? But oh, yeah. get in your you, eyeball. Or if you ask for a crumb, good. that could be it for you. The biscotti right? was very hazardous. Although it was so good, it was food very hazardous. hazards in space. Food hazards. Well, biscotti in the anything, eyeball. Yeah. Anything that a, can, a little particle in space can... Okay, so right. when you said tortilla, Trouble. you mean soft tortilla. Soft tortilla. Soft tortilla right. and peanut butter. So the peanut butter sticks to the tortilla. Right. There are no crumbs, uh-huh. and it all right. goes down your throat. Right. And it's still real all food, though. It's not food from a tube. Or yeah, no, I had, had yogurt. I mean, you know, it's in a bag, but sure. it was yogurt. Has anyone ever had Pop Rocks, or is it too dangerous? <laughs> Pop Rocks are too dangerous. <laughs> we... We have M and M's. I mean, we never thought about the pop rocks. That would kill you. I mean, a pop rock popping in your Can you eye. Imagine? You can't get it out. And you have the big clumsy gloves, and you're poking at your. Terrible. Oh, that's that's a, an extra kind of propulsion. It's like a sabotage thing. Yes, that's uh, how we'll get the Russians. Yeah. One bag of pop rocks in yeah. a space That'll shuttle. Take care yeah. of it. Spill, spill, spill. Go, Goodbye, yeah. program. You just go to the international space. Yeah. International Space Station, you do your whole tour of duty with the Russians as you're leaving. See you, suckers. <laughs> Just to clarify, Eugene Merman is Russian, okay? Yes. Just... Oh, yeah, if you're listening to this, I'm not a terrible racist person. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're not getting back into Russia. No. <laughs> not with my Pop Rocks joke. That will be Putin's last straw. <laughs> so, Mike, so th- they dress you. Well, you put on your own panties. Poly- right. Mike. M-A-G. M-A-G. I like that you've like, walked in space and we're like, but do your nipples get cold? Like, we're asking <laughs> you questions. Wait, wait, wait. Like... So, so you're in space. You got your spacesuit on. Right. What do you do if your nose itches? With my nose, it's a problem. I've got a, you know, I got a big nose, so yeah, it can be a real problem. Yeah, you can't see this on the radio, but yeah. this guy... <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like Cyrano de Bergerac. They had to make a, oh. The scratching of the nose is, once they put your helmet on, you don't have access to your face. And so any itch or anything like that is problematic. We do have a Valsalva device because you have to be able to clear your ears, right? And you can't get to your nose to clear your ears when you're snorkeling and scuba diving. You sure. know about that, No, right? I understand. Okay so, okay, so you can't clear your ears because you can't get normally like you would do to, to squeeze your nose. So we have a device where you can actually ram your nostrils into this pad and create a seal and... Oh, so it's and, built and into blow. the... It's, it's yes, like a little pad the... that you put at the right place where so you, you a, want you it. you have a built-in nostril pad in your It's helmet. a built-in nostril pad you can oh. to help you valve A B-I-N-P. That's great. So when That's you look good. at the earth and it's so beautiful and yeah. you start crying... Right. And it can soak up your snot. <laughs> you got to be careful with that, too. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go to the moon, Mike? And are you I, sad you know, that you can't? Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I feel For like I'm in therapy. No, let's leapfrog that. Do you want to be on the first mission to Mars? No. 
Do you want to go to the moon? Was I asking you? We've been to the moon. Eugene, we've been to the moon. You and I have, but Mike hasn't. You know what, Neil? A lot of people have been to Costa Rica, but maybe he wants to go too. I haven't been there. Okay, Mike, no, you take answer however you want. How, someone's however. been to Japan. Why well, said the second guy? <laughs> yeah, you're right. So uh, do you Mike, go where you gotta go. Wait, no. so tell us. Tell us. Uh, okay. <laughs> be quick so uh, we can tell you. Where are we going? The moon or Mars? Yeah, I'd love to go to any of those places. That would be that'd be really cool. But it's probably not gonna happen for me, but you know, I, I would like to see someone go. I, I think we should go back to the moon and on with to Mars and yeah. What? And I so, think we will, actually. So Mars, I don't think it's going to be me, but I would love to go. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio live at the Bell House in Brooklyn. <laughs> this evening's topic has been all about space, about Hubble. Mm-hmm. To my right is Mike Massimino, two-time shuttle astronaut at Hubble Repairman. And Eugene Merman, my co-host. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you've got here. Again. And Kristen Shaw and John Hodgman. All right. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're continuing the broadcast of our second live show, recorded at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, on December 18th, 2011. Joining me that night were my co-host, the comedian Eugene Merman, the comedians Kristen Schaal and John Hodgman, and Mike Massimino, a NASA astronaut who flew on two space shuttle missions to repair the Hubble Space Telescope. We're done servicing the Hubble. You gave it a new lease on life. It's got about five more years. and No warranties, by the way, no, on the labor. No more warranties on you the labor. You didn't get the Best Buy thing for like 90 bucks. We'll replace your Hubble. No. <laughs> that, that's where the sales pitch stopped. All right, but we've got another telescope ready to fly. It's the James Webb Space Telescope. It is bigger. It is better. It will go farther. The Hubble was 350 miles up. James yep. Webb is going to be a million miles on the other side of the moon. In one of the Lagrangian points... Wait a minute, say that again. How far is the Hubble? How many miles? 350 miles up. 350 miles up. A short walk. A short, a, a short, a short walk. space walk. You could drive this, that in six hours. This other one's going to be on the other side of the moon? Yes. So, James Webb Space Telescope, we found a spot. A nice, cozy spot. It's in one of the Lagrangian points of the Earth-Moon-Sun system. A Lagrangian point. These are the places. What is it? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, what is it? It's true. I'm what does that mean? To oh, say sh- what that is. All right, shh, everyone. Feel it coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, shh, shh. It's, it's it's coming out of me. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, relax. He's flexing okay. his biceps. It's going to happen. The Lagrangian points. Okay. So consider the Earth-Moon system. If you travel to the Moon, you feel Earth's gravity for a while, but there's a point where you begin to primarily feel the moon's gravity, and you fall towards the moon. There's a point exactly between the middle. That's Lagrange point one. Who's it named after? (laughs) Lagrange. Okay, so... so, Who was that guy? Okay, so now you have... That's the only part we knew, Neil. (laughs) He's a French mathematician. So, the Earth and the moon both revolve around a common center of gravity, which happens to be about a thousand miles inside Earth's surface in the line connecting the center of the Earth to the moon. So it's not that the moon goes around Earth, it's that both the Earth and the moon 
go around their common center of gravity. And so, I'm just, I'm just saying how this goes. So now, since they both orbit, there are places which will want to fall towards the moon and want to fall towards Earth, but because the system is rotating, there's an extra sort of centrifugal force out there pushing it out. So when you want to fall this way and that way, there's another balance point. And Lagrange did the equations for all, he found five balance points. Lagrange, one, two, three, four, five. So wanted the last one to be six. Sorry. So, be a mystery. all orbiting pairs of objects have five Lagrangian points. So there's the Earth-Moon system of Lagrangian points. There's the Earth-Sun system of Lagrangian points. One is exactly in between. One is on the far side. One is at a 60-degree angle, leading and trailing the orbit that you're in. These are cool spots. What's good about them is that all the forces of gravity balance. So you can build structures there that can be stable on huge scales without gravity destroying its integrity. How does gravity work again? It's... (laughs) (laughs) So, the James Webb Space Telescope is at the Sun-Earth L2 point, which is a million miles on the other side of the moon. And there, it is tuned to see light emanated from the birth of galaxies in the early universe. That light, when emitted, was visible to the human eye. But since then, the universe has expanded, stretched the wavelength of visible light, so that it is now out of the range of the visible and deep in the infrared. So, this telescope is tuned to the infrared so that it can see objects being born at a time when it was emitting visible light. There it is. That's what I figured. <laughs> so, Neil, you're telling me that it was visible to humans like back in caveman days and they like drew it on the wall and yeah. that's how you know? Okay, so no, caveman was like 30,000 years ago or so. It was and, about 4,000, I mean, but like, whatever. <laughs> we, we differ. Depends on what book you read, yes. Um, the King James Bible. Expanded. <laughs> uh, no, caveman was not long enough ago for any of this to be relevant. They were just 30,000 years ago. That's nothing. That's a trillion seconds ago. Oh, like, okay, so there wasn't humans that saw it, but there Oh, no. If humans played. were around at the beginning of the universe, you would see these bright, beautiful, visible light galaxies being born. Oh, but over the 13.7 billion years that have elapsed since then, that light has been redshifted from the expansion of the universe. And if you want to see what's going on there, you need a telescope tuned to look where the action is. And that's what the James Webb Space Telescope will be designed to do. And is it named for the Senator Jim Webb from Virginia? Because he made it himself? Who's it named for? Yeah, so it's a little odd. James Webb was the head of NASA during most of the Apollo era back in the 1960s. So it's an homage to when we actually used to leave low Earth orbit. Right. Uh, I'm glad we're done with that. What? <laughs> Come on. You we saw what's it. out there. It's boring. <laughs> so, Mike, let me end with this. Yeah. Mike, if it's a million miles out, you ain't going to repair that. No. No. I don't think. No. A million miles, we never send it. How long would it take to run that far? <laughs> In a spaceship. <laughs> 
you have to send out a generation ship? Like astronauts raised on a ship? Yeah. In order to, yeah? For those kinds idea. of things, you need really fertile people, you know, so that they can produce generations ready. that will follow. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, not really that far. I knew, no, I, actually, you get there in a couple of weeks. It's not far at all. You were saying to Mike that he would never fly out to the James Webb Telescope. It being a million miles beyond so the moon. So explain why not. Well, because we're not equipped to send astronauts that far. First of all, we don't have a spaceship that can leave low Earth orbit, and we haven't had one since 1972. That is 40 years ago. So that we know of. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And another problem is... The telescope costs some X number of dollars. Sure. We'll just say X. X. Yeah. It may cost more than that to send a human being to fix it. So you might as well just build another one and send it out there, too. This is the economy of space travel at the moment. So forgive me, but how are we getting the James Webb telescope up there? The telescope is not carrying a human being. I we, see. we easily get other things out of low Earth orbit. We right. have a mission going to Pluto right now. Why? Yeah, why? Well, I, 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 I make fun of it. That to just tell it yeah, it's not yeah. a planet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Commence Bye. mocking sequence. Go. <laughs> You've been listening to Star Talk Radio, brought to you in part by the National Science Foundation. Tune in next week for the second half of our live show, recorded December 2011 at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Until then, as always. Looking up.